We are live here with a Schloss rant. The New York football giants are 2-0. They are 2-0. Who could have imagined this start? Who could have imagined that this football team would be 2-0, winning the first two games in pretty epic fashion for the most part. Last week, of course, with the crazy two-point play. And this week, with a big-time Daniel Jones run at the end of the game to seal the deal, to get it so they can line up in victory formation. How sweet it is for the New York football giants. They are 2-0. and oh. No one, and I mean no one, could have predicted this, even in the slightest. Even me, Mr. New York Giants, I picked them to go under that 7.5 win total at the beginning of the season, and they still could end up there, but it doesn't matter right now. We're not thinking about the whole season. We're thinking about the, fa- about the fact that we are 2-0 and oh for the first time since Ben McAdoo was roaming the sidelines. And McAdoo was in the building today because, of course, he is the offensive coordinator for the Panthers, and he really could use some help coordinating after the Giants held Baker Mayfield to 145-yard defense. Let's go, Giants. Let's freaking go. What a game. What a game for this football team. Was it pretty? No. Is it going down the the runway as a fashion model? No. Is it the Mona Lisa? No. But winning in the National Football League is so difficult. And as a Giant fan, I'm pumped up. I'm excited. I wasn't expecting this. Now, let me give you a little bit of rundown about my day watching this football team. And we'll, of course, get into more stuff about the Giants, but we'll also get into stuff with other things. But my day, so I drove down to the Jersey Shore today, tried to watch the game on the tablet with the hotspot. That wasn't working. So I said, all right, I'm going to put the game just out on my phone. And I'm holding the phone. We, we're sitting there for the first three quarters, the Giants and the Panthers kind of going back and forth after, of course, that hot start by the Giants in which they forced two turnovers. And by the end of the third quarter, it's just so windy down there at Cape May. We pick up, get in the car, we're driving back, and I watch the most of the fourth quarter in the car, on my phone, on the Garden State Parkway, getting back up to the Atlantic City Expressway to head back here to Philly, in the Philly suburbs, of course. What a game. Unbelievable. I mean, I just cannot believe that this team is 2-0. 2-0. I mean, it's unreal. And was it a little weird watching the game on the phone? No, because I've done it enough throughout the past few years. When you get the Sunday ticket and you get the app on your phone, it's nice to kind of be able to not necessarily be locked into a TV. Is the six-inch screen ideal? No, it's not. But it's awesome when your team wins football games. Dable and his coaching staff are making us pumped up about this team excited about this team, that again, it doesn't matter if I'm sitting down there in Cape May, New Jersey, or if I'm sitting here in my living room here in Philly, or if I'm back up in New York or, or North Jersey, even at Giant Stadium, at MetLife Field, to watch, or MetLife Stadium, to watch the game. It doesn't matter because the product that Dayball and his coaching staff is putting out on the field is making me pumped up, making me excited to watch this team so far within the first two weeks. Can things change? Yeah, of course. Things can go south real quick. Look at Ben McAdoo. You know, look at Pat Shermer. Shermer never was really going the right way. Look at Joe Judge even. People like that 6-10 and 10 first year in 2020. But it doesn't matter. Dayball's the one in charge. And, again, this game was not pretty. But what did they do? They made enough plays to win the game. 
Saquon Barkley was huge last week. You know, he ran for over 160 yards. He had that big touchdown. Not so much of a great game. He had, you know, a little bit over 70 yards. But the number that is absolutely crucial and absolutely key for Saquon Barkley this week was the fact that he was able to run the ball 21 times. Because this made it so that the Giants didn't have to just drop back and pass the ball 35, 40 times. They were able to kind of be a little, you know, as unpredictable as you can imagine when you're not in situations where you constantly, constantly have to throw the football field down the field. Because let's face it, this team so far has laid out, you know, a way that they're going to win. And it's been with Daniel Jones not turning the ball over as much as he normally did. Didn't have a turnover this week, only had one last week. Taking away the ball on the other side this week with two fumbles. And playing pretty stout defense and playing good special teams and having a really reliable kicker. I didn't love the punters game. He had a big punt, which he kicked it further than he thought he could, punted it in the back of the end zone. But this team has a formula. This team has a way that they're going to be able to keep themselves in games. The Giants have made plays when it matters. Did Jones have an amazing game? No. But did he pick up the six yards to ice the game at the end? You bet he did. You bet he did. He made the play that you need to make, and I can't ask for anything else. And again, with Barkley, because this is a Schloss rant, I tend to go all over the place here. But Barkley having those 21 attempts is huge. If you can show that you are willing to run the ball, things will be open the rest of the game play action passes, and again, this is not a team that took a lot of shots down the football field They were not successful throwing the ball down the field as if it was, you know, Kafka working with Mahomes as he did in Kansas City. But again, they were able to make the plays that they needed to make to win the football game, and Graham Gano was huge. It's nice to be able to have a kicker who, when he needs to hit a 56-yard field goal to take the lead late in the fourth quarter, he nails it right down the middle, and there was never a doubt about that kick. So you got to love it. you just got to love the, the performance by Graham Gano hitting that 56-yarder to put them up late in the fourth quarter, and the defense held. The defense held Carolina. They got the ball back, and they were able to ice the game because, again, they made huge plays. Another guy that made huge plays I thought was Xavier McKinney. He was able to get in the box as a defender, coming down, you know, stepping down as a safety in kind of that linebacker area, defended or deflected a few passes, helped put pressure on Baker Mayfield, made him feel uncomfortable. Baker didn't even complete 50% of his passes today. So kudos to the defense. Kudos to the defensive line. Did they have a lot of sacks? No, because Mayfield was able to elude a lot of them, but they were able to put the pressure that made him have to take off and run and made him not necessarily for the entire game feel comfortable to sit in the pocket and deliver passes. Did he have a couple of drives in which he was able to find more down the field? Yeah, he did. DJ Moore down the field? Yeah, he did. But the Giants were able to bend, not break. They also held Carolina two, three field goals, and it was not touchdowns when they were able to, again, bend and not break. So you got to love that the defense is competitive keeping this team in the football game. If the defense can keep you in the football game, you'll have a chance to win games. Again, something I didn't like, though, and I said this last week, this passing game needs severe improvement. Okay? Yes, I like that seven guys caught passes. It shows me that Jones is not locking in 
to one particular receiver. And again, I like the performance of Ricky James with the five catches for 52 yards. Not great, not unbelievable, but good enough. His Jones's long was 24 yards. The, the ball needs to be moved down the field a little bit more than that. He only had 5.2 yards per attempt. Didn't throw for 200 yards. But again, they won, they won the game. They made enough plays when it mattered. Jones made the crucial run when it mattered. They were able to have one big touchdown drive. And I thought the tempo on that touchdown drive, which of course resulted in Daniel Bellinger having a 16-yard touchdown reception, I thought that the tempo was exceptional there. He moved the ball down the field, found different receivers, found Richie James, you know, found Shepard, and, you know, found Hudson, I think, on that drive, the other tight end. He was able to find receivers down the field. The tempo on that drive was great. They need to go back. This coaching staff needs to go back and look what went well on that drive, and can you implement similar plays going into next Monday night against the Dallas Cowboys? They got to take a look at that because I thought the tempo was great. The ball was moved around, and I thought that they looked real good that drive. The rest of the drives, they didn't look good. They definitely didn't look great. But again, they did enough to win the game. Now, one situation that seems to be brewing kind of off the field with this Giants team is Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay apparently cleared out his locker at the end of the game. He's a bum. He's a bust. $72 million contract. Thanks a lot, Dave Gettleman. What a bum he is, too. Hope you're enjoying retirement. I mean, absolutely pathetic. But at any rate, he's complaining that he's not getting the ball. And you know what? He needs to take a look at what his, t- his still teammate, I guess, Kadarius Tony said last week after only getting seven snaps, where he and the reporters asking, him, were you disappointed with your role? And he's like, no, why would I be disappointed? We want to win football games here. We want to change the culture here. He didn't say that we want to change the culture, but he said we want to win football games here. And that's a guy that gets it. That's a guy who said, I'm going to do whatever I can for this team to win football games and contribute where I can. And Kenny Galladay, you can go pout, you can go complain, you can go whine. I don't care. You don't do anything anyway. You didn't even score a touchdown since you got that big money deal from that horrendous general manager. You know what? I'm not even going to bring that bum up anymore. He is not even worthy of my breath. What a loser he is. (laughs) I mean, it's it's night and day. Because last year, week two, I think about the game against Washington, in which Washington hit a field goal at the end to win it, and they, they, the Giants guy like barely jumped off sides, which led them to have a re-kick after, after Hop, Dustin Hopkins, I think the kicker, missed it the first time, and then the Giant guy was, of course, offside. Just goes to show you, this team this year is executing. They're executing pretty much everywhere. Are they a dominant force? No, they're not. But you have to be happy with the results. And again, after the year upon year upon year upon year of losing, that this team has put out since they won the last Super Bowl that they won in 2011, you have to be pumped up to be 2-0. I mean, they had gone six years before last week without ever even having a winning record. So I'm pumped to be 2-0. Again, there's no style points in the National Football League. Go ask Cleveland about that today, about there being no style points. Go ask the Jets about that, of course, since they beat Cleveland. Win football games. And that's what this Giants team has done for the first two weeks. They got a big divisional game with Dallas. I mean, Cooper Rush, he showed you something there. He let a game-winning field goal drive after the Bengals tied it up. So, you, you know, Dallas is not just going to fall over. I thought they'd get blown out today. 
and they were a pretty big underdog, and they didn't get blown out at all because they won the game. Cooper Rush engineered a drive to win it. So you got a huge game on Monday night against Dallas. Dallas now at 1-1. The Giants, of course, at 2-0. Washington is also sitting there at 1-1. And the Philadelphia Eagles are going to play the Minnesota Vikings tomorrow night about nine miles south of where I'm sitting at uh, Lincoln Financial Field. So this division, which, you know, historically the past few years has been an absolute dumpster fire of awful teams and seven-game division winners in 2020 with Washington, the division might have something, even with Dallas losing Dak Prescott. So this division game is important. 3-0 and instead of 2-1 and is such a huge difference. Because then after that, you're looking at after this Dallas game, and I don't want to look too far ahead, you have the Bears. That's another winnable game. So 4-0 is on the table. As crazy as that sounds, because I thought this team would be lucky looking at the season, doing the old school Mike and the Mad Dog. That's a win. Dog, that's a loss. That's a win, Michael. That's a loss. I thought three wins was absolute most. I thought that that's what it was. And we already got two. And again, 4-0 is on the table. You're playing a backup quarterback at home on Monday night. I mean, it's weird that the game's on Russia Shutter. That's typically not something that the NFL and the Giants would do. I, you know, I'm not sure who quite makes the schedule. Weird that, you know, have a Monday night game on Russia Shutter. To me, that typically, historic, if you go back and look, that's a 1 o'clock Sunday kickoff on Fox. But that, that's neither here nor there. So, 4 no again, is on the table for this football team. Go out there and beat Dallas. It's a backup quarterback. Go beat him. Okay? Go beat him. Get pressure in his face. Defend these quarterbacks. Or, sorry, defend the quarterbacks. need to defend the wide receivers. Okay? This giant team has got to win this game Monday night. Again, 2-0 start is great, but I would much, much rather be sitting there, obviously, at 3-0. Because then, like I said, the Bears, it's 4-0 is definitely on the table. I'm looking at this Bears score right now and we, as we sit here at uh, 844 here in Philadelphia, or right outside Philadelphia, and it's 3-0 Packers. And the Bears got the ball within Green Bay territory. But the Bears are not exactly, you know, the best team with fields there. So you've got winnable games coming up here if you are the New York Giants, especially since you've got a string of three at home. Giants, 2-0. Get me to next Monday night for the football game. Now let's talk about some other things. Let's go around the league, take a look at some of these games. I mean, the endings to some of these games, I mean, this is why we as football fans, I'm not just talking to me as a Giant fan or you as any other fan of a team. This is why we watch. I mean, those of you who know me, you know I lived in Arizona for about 15 years, so I kind of always followed the Cardinals too. You know, I wouldn't say I was rooting for them, but I, I followed them. And the crazy ending the Cardinals just had about you know, a half hour ago or so, 45 minutes, whatever it is. We're recording this at 8.45 on Sunday night right now. Unreal. Unreal. Kyler Murray down by whatever it was, 23 to 8, 23 to 7, whatever it was, and he comes back, touchdown, two-point play, runs it in, runs for about 80-something yards, they said. 
throughout the whole play just to get the two yards for the two-point play. And then he comes down, picks up a huge fourth and one on the next drive to go in and set up overtime, and then hits A.J. Green on a crazy two-point play that was reviewed, obviously, because all scoring plays are, and they weren't sure if he actually caught the ball, and of course he did. There was no evidence to overturn it. And then the next drive, they go into overtime. Cardinals don't score. They go for it on fourth and one. Hollywood Brown drops it, but he was kind of hit real hard in the ribs. And then Hunter Renfro fumbles for the Raiders, and then it's still recovered by Las Vegas. And then he fumbles again, and the ball kind of trickles out, and the defensive back number seven, I don't even know that guy's name for the Cardinals, Runs at 60-plus yards for a touchdown to win the game in overtime. Unbelievable ending to that game. That's why we love sports. That's why we love the NFL, because of the craziness, the ending. I mean, you could sit there with all the computer power in the world, and you wouldn't be able to predict the endings to some of these games. The upsets galore. I mean, talk about Dallas beating the Bengals. Obviously, that's something I'm rooting for, but just worth noting. You couldn't draw that up that way. And the other big upset that I must, must, must get to for all my friends that root for the Jets, all the family members that I got that root for the Jets. I, 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 so I got to be honest, I wasn't following this game. I said I'm watching the Giants game in the car. So all I have is my little six-inch screen as I'm coming back from, the, from Kate May earlier today. And I didn't find out about this until about an hour after I got home. That the Jets won that way? A blown coverage after the Browns guy with a minute 55 goes into the end zone, in which they had a 99.9% chance of winning the game up two touchdowns with less than two minutes left? So a blown coverage in the secondary, recovered onside kick, and then another touchdown. Holy cow. That game was almost locked up for the for the Browns. Browns should... Browns would have been sitting at 2-0. And, and again, just goes to show you, that total closed, I think, 37 and a half, and there's 61 points in the game. You can't predict this stuff. Who is ever going to guess that? The dramatic win by Flacco and the Jets. The Jets now sitting at 1-1. One and, one. and Robert Sala, I, I mean, I guess he's holding on to those receipts. That's an unreal ending. Unbelievable. Again, that's why we watch the National Football League. That's why we love it. For games that end in absolute, utter craziness as the Bears now have the lead here. Again, Packers are favored by 10.5 points. If you listen to my last pick, I like the Packers. Again, in one of my most square picks that I'll ever give out because that's just not a sharp play at all. But still got some time. Aaron Rodgers owns the Packers. So you had that ending. The Falcons almost coming back from 28-3. to three. Had a chance for a Hail Mary there. That was exciting. You know, and another game that must be talked about here before I get to the end of this podcast, the Dolphins, to a T, to a tongue of Viola, Viola, however many say it, six touchdowns. That goes against Lamar Jackson, who had over 100 yards rushing with a touchdown and over 303 touchdowns in the air also. And the Dolphins come back and win. From down, I think, 35 to 14 or something. Again, these games today, unreal endings. And that goes with last week, too, having the crazy endings between the the Falcons and the Saints, the Giants and the Titans. I mean, again, if you're not an NFL fan, and I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if you were not, 
But for those people who are not NFL fans, I don't know what else you'd want. It's the ultimate reality TV show. Throw on that red zone channel at the end of the the one o'clock windows on the East Coast, the end of the four o'clock windows on the East Coast. Unbelievable stuff today, bouncing back and forth from screen to screen to screen to screen. And most of you, if you have the red zone, you listen to Scott Hansen because you, you got the regular red zone channel. But I got the I got the Sunday ticket one and I got Siciliano bouncing back and forth. Commentary in between. Siciliano is excellent. Siciliano does a great job on the Sunday ticket red zone. Unreal some of these games today. Pumped up as a football fan. Not just a giant fan because we're 2-0. Because I sure am pumped about that. But unreal to watch some of these games. And if someone could explain to me why there are two Monday night games. I mean, I'm, I'm going to Google this right now before I sign off on this podcast. But why is there two Monday night football games? It, it truly, absolutely makes no sense. I don't know why there is. So they're staggering kickoff times and overlapping action on the same night. I, I don't know why they're doing this stuff. Normally, they had the two Monday night games on week one. But I, I still, no one's, they're explaining how they're going to do it. But I still do not understand why they're not, why there's even two of them. Of course, one's on ESPN. One's on ABC. The Eagle game is the later game, which should, thankfully, that should maybe help me with my drive home if they're not starting until 8.30. People take a little bit of time to get home or to get to their tailgate out there at the link. But, I, I mean, I don't get why they're doing this. I'm not, I'm not complaining, but no one's been able to explain to me why week two. So just weird, weird stuff. But at any rate, you got to love it. You absolutely have to love the NFL Exciting, crazy stuff. Another topic, though, that I want to touch on before we let go here. Herm Edwards fired from Arizona State. You know, this is, I feel bad for Herm because I like him. I don't feel bad for Arizona State, you know, as a U of A alum. And, you know, I lived right by that campus there for the better part of 10 years. So, you know, I know a bunch of ASU people, interacted with them quite a bit. You know, that U of A-ASU rivalry, it's not a great it's not a great rivalry between the fans because to me, you know, and I live right here in my biggest rivals city. I live in Philadelphia or right outside Philadelphia, obviously. And to me, Giants Eagles, it doesn't compare. Yankees Red Sox does not compare to that ASU U of A, but ASU firing Herm Edwards, I mean, just goes to show what a joke that school is. And it makes me happy. It makes me happy with U of A sitting at two and one right now, my alma mater that ASU had to fire their coach. Not that I want Herm to be fired because I like Herm. He seems, he's great on TV and he genuinely seems like a good guy. But ASU in a little bit of trouble also off the field. So it, to me, it's great just to, when your rival can screw up. Not that I want you know anyone to get fired. Not that I want them to really be in any type of trouble, you know, academically or anything like that. But it's great when, you can, when your rival is screwing up as your team is kind of on the ascension, not big-time ascension. If UVA can make a bowl game, I'd be thrilled this year. I think that would be a huge step, especially where you were, if, you know, if you're talking about the day after Thanksgiving in 2020, losing to the, losing to the Sun Devils 70-7. to But Herm Edwards, of course, let go by ASU in a move that, you, you know, you check it with a lot of people out there back in Phoenix, said needed to be done. So I just thought I'd throw that in the mix here as well. Schloss rant live. From the Philly suburbs, the Giants are two and oh, let's 
freaking go, Big Blue. Let's go out there. Let's win the game Monday night against the Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, 2-0. Schlossman, live, Philly suburbs. We'll see you later, everyone.